0: Uh, My name is Jesse, and I work here. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Steve. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. We are speaking in Luke, and we've we've actually been preaching out of Luke for, like, 11 months, and we're about halfway through. Right? We're going to be in this book for two years. (laughs) And I hope you guys aren't sick of it, because I am not. This is... This is my favorite book of the Bible. To remind you, this this book screwed up my life in the best way. I I love what Jesus brings up here. It is it is the best. Like yeah, I mean I I told you this when I introed it what eleven months ago in in last September. But we're here, um, and yeah just up front it's about readiness readiness is this theme that, uh, that, that comes out of this tonight and it's weird it's weird didn't you know I was going to say that? I say that pretty much at the beginning of every single one of my sermons
1: dude, Jesus says
0: weird stuff <laughs> I, and I think I need it that way I think, I, I, God help me in the, in, when I get to a passage that's not weird I think that would be a heck of a lot more boring. So, yes. So, it's it is about readiness and I was trying to think of, you know, okay, what are situations about readiness? Where do you have to be ready? When am I always ready? And for me, uh the thing that comes immediately to mind is riding my motorbike. I am always ready. Uh the, the, this morning, you know, <laughs> there's there's bike rider guys like <laughs> Dave Dave was like, oh my gosh, yes, and he was like raising his arm every time I said something. But yeah, when I'm on my motorbike, my MO is that no one can see me and everyone's trying to kill me. That is how you have to ride a motorbike. People don't see you. And that's how you have to ride a bicycle too. Like, you're just blind. No one, no one knows that you're there. So I'm always ready for someone to try and kill me. I just assume. Even though they can't see me, they're trying to push me off the road. <laughs> That's how I do it. I've got to be uh, ready. Uh, Nate Oaks, Nate Oaks' dad, I was talking to, Nate Oaks is going to be in town this week, by the way. Um, I was talking to Nate's dad, and, and he, he, used, he used to ride a motorbike. And he told me one time that he was only riding, like, once every other week, and he was not, he, was, he couldn't do it anymore. Somebody pushed him off the road, and he didn't lay it down, but he totally, like, rode into the ditch. He's like, I can't do it. I don't have the readiness and the prep and the sh- the sharpness of mind to do this. And so he sold his motorbike. You got to have it. It's not something that you just switch one day. It's like I could be ready today. You got to prep for it. You got to ride all the time. You got to be know all the ways that those sly cage drivers. Are trying to kill you, because they have all sorts of wily ways, trying to push you off the road. But yes, readiness is something that our culture is getting worse at, particularly because of the, the time and place that we live in. 21st century North America, we have a lot of stuff that just allows us not to be ready. Our phones, the interweb. We can just whip stuff out of our pockets super quick. It's like, oh, I totally knew this. Or, oh, I'm totally prepped for that. Or, oh, uh, it's Jimmy's birthday. My phone told me so. (laughs) Or it tells me it's two days from now so I can get a gift for Jimmy. We don't have to be as ready anymore. And so Jesus spouting off about it tonight, I think, has a lot to say to our culture. Now, we're going to read through it. Um, I definitely spent three days, three solid days of just rubbing my face, looking at this stuff that Jesus said. Because he was in a mood. He was in some weird mood when he got into this one. You'll see it in a second. But uh, before we get into it, we got to pray. All right? um, I've got some notes, and I've been thinking about this, and I've been praying about this. But, man... I'm just going to be noise unless God helps me out with this. So, guys, if you want to pray with me, that would be appreciated. Jesus, thanks for this. <laughs> I don't know what kind of mood you were in. It's really, it truly is hard to decipher what you were feeling on this day. You seemed kind of irritated or something. <laughs> but there's truth here, and there's goodness here, and there's, there's something for all of us. Bring it to us. I've worked on this. You know I have, but I need your help. Give, give me mercy in communicating to my brothers and sisters. Give my brothers and sisters mercy as they try to understand the the silliness that comes out of my mouth. Bottom line, I hope you're glorified. I hope you're pleased. I hope you enjoy this. Uh, if you see the to those other two things, making us smarter and you being pleased, then let it be a good time to Um, But that's, you know, last on the list. So we love you a lot. Amen. All right. So the first thing that I want to say that I want to address is what's not there. Uh, Last week Adam preached and before that uh, Christy preached. And at the beginning of Adam's sermon or at the uh, beginning of Adam's passage there was therefore. And so we know that Adam's passage was there because of Christie's passage. I don't have it therefore. And I kind of wish I did because this one's again weird. Why is he talking about this stuff? Well, there's some connections, but it just seems like Luke just kind of picked up on another day kind of out of nowhere. So, with that said, it's not directly connected to Adams. But here we go. Be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning this is jesus talking like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks they can immediately open the door for him real uh, some context real quick wedding banquets weren't just in an afternoon this the wedding banquets were like six seven eight days so when when you know the master goes to a wedding banquet he says i'll be back Next week, sometime. It speaks to the readiness that you have to have, you know. Like if, it, like if your parents go away for six, seven, eight days, you don't have the party on the day six, seven, or eight, right? <laughs> you can't get ready. <laughs> you have the you have the party in the first couple days, so you can get ready before they come back. So, it wasn't a terribly predictable thing when it came to wedding feasts and when. The master would come back from that. Going on, 37. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. A little reversal there. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming. The thief, wait, there's a new character, real suddenly. The thief, it's not a thief. The thief, you know, the thief. No, Jesus, you have not said anything about the the thief before this. Anyways, if the owner of the house had known at what time the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. This is, is this another story that he's telling? You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Peter asked, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? I think, you know, I detract from Peter sometimes. I think he's kind of a wiener. But he had the, the boldness to, I think, ask a question. It's like, God, I think I'm not the only one here wondering what you're talking about. Are you talking to us? Are we the servants? or And you're the ma- master? He kind of, like, okay, like slow down, Jesus. Like, bring us up to speed here. And then in 42, the Lord answered. Well, the New International Version has the Lord answered. Uh, some other translations don't, because I think it's questionable if he does actually answer here. <laughs> Listen to this. Who then is the faithful and wise manager? whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time. It's not a very direct answer to Peter, to say the least. It's like, so you know, this is one of Jesus' cliches. People ask him questions, he answers with a question. Right? Right? It's a, you know, it's a psychological trick and it makes sense. I mean, I try to do the same thing, you know, like it's way better if we get it, you know. So if you ask me a question, Jesse, you know, who's supposed to be doing cleanup tonight? I was like, well, who is supposed to be doing cleanup tonight? Then you guys get to discover yourselves and you understand it so much more if you come up with the answer to the question instead of me, right? (laughs) It's clever. Good job, Jesus. I I try to use it myself sometimes. But sometimes, like in this case, you're like, I wish you'd just tell us the answer this time. (laughs) It's not completely clear. I mean, can you imagine, imagine Jesus and his 12 disciples going to the breakfast king, right? Mississippi and Santa Fe, total flow, waitresses. And flow comes up to the table with Jesus in company. He's like, all right, hon, what do you have? Woman, what do I have? What does the son of man have? And then Thomas like puts the menu down and he'll have the omelet. God, (laughs) it's got to get annoying, right? It's like, Jesus, just answer the lady. Just tell her what you want off the menu. (laughs) It's just whenever you ask him a question, he, he always answers with a question. You're like, Oh man. All right. I'm tired that today, Jesus throw me a bone. But he does it. Who then is the faithful and wise manager? This is verse 42. Whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time. It's sort of rhetorical. Anyway, let's let's keep going. We'll get to it. 43. It will be good for the servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. Oh. Well, that was easy. Just one wedding banquet, and you're in charge of everything. Just do it right. But suppose the servant says to himself, my master is taking a long time in coming. He then begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. Whoa! That, That was quick. This is... This is going somewhere. This is this is happening kind of fast. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him. And at an hour he is not aware of, he will cut him into little pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. <laughs> this escalated quick. <laughs> right? Chop him into little pieces. He's beating everybody up. Also drastic. But, I mean... This is where I'm like, oh, Jesus, what did what happened today? Was traffic bad, or something? Can you see? Does he not seem kind of irritated? Like, drop him out into little pieces. Like, shh. <laughs> and he'll have some tea as well, Flo. <laughs> Chamomile. <laughs> uh, this seems drastic to me. I don't know. I mean, it's. Again, it escalated quickly, and I think too quickly, but I don't know, I guess that just adds to the infinitely long list of, that's titled Differences Between Jesus and Jesse. So, I guess Jesus thought that was appropriate, so okay. He goes on, the servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows. Whew, uh, Okay. But the one who does not know and does things deserving of punishment, okay, this, here's the grace, will be beaten with few blows. I'm like, oh, <laughs> uh, thanks? <laughs> you just get a minor beat down. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. And that's a little nod to Uncle Ben um if you don't know who uncle ben is i'm not going to explain it it's just for the nerds um now this is strange it, i mean you can see you know you know in in, the, in your bible some some bibles not all bibles they do like for every chunk they kind of put a title at the top and at the top title of the at the at the top of this one is be ready and you're like ah that makes sense i mean he's definitely talking about readiness all in there so When I was rubbing my face trying to figure out what Jesus was talking about here, it wasn't generally. Generally he's talking about readiness. I get it, but there's like a couple different stories going on here. Guy's waiting, there there's some servants waiting for his master to get back. Um there's a really, really bad boss of the servants. That seems like a whole side story. And then the thief, where'd the thief come from? Who's the thief? I love this passage. Now, I got an anchor for us, okay? This is what we're going to be able to hold on to through this sermon. There's this pivot point. There's this pivot that happens, and this is, seems to be the crux where stuff starts going down. The pivot point is when people don't think the master's coming back. It happens for everybody. And uh, in verse 40, you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. If I was listening to this, like, at the time, and even now when I listen to it, I'm frustrated. 40 basically says you're set up to fail. You've got to be ready because you're totally not going to be ready. <laughs> Right? Is that not what it says? You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. I think it's a little bit of a stretch to make this like complete doctrine or dogma that this will happen in your life. But at the same time, I think it's a safe bet. Jesus is going to show up. Jesus is going to ask something of you. And you're going to be not ready for it. It happens. It happens for all of us, I think. Now, just kind of as an explanation here, uh, I got a cool word for y'all. You know, because we have we've got seminary people hanging out with us sometimes, and they talk all smart. We're all gonna talk smart after tonight. Um, eschatology. Yeah, ooh, right. Yeah. Eschatology. It's fun to say. Eschat- eschatology, eschatological. Yeah. Everybody. Eschatological. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, eschat- eschatology is very basically the study of stuff in the future. A lot of people just really skip to, you know, stuff on earth that the Bible is talking about. That hasn't happened yet. You know, most of that stuff's in uh, Daniel and Revelation. And, and generally, that's what people are talking about when they say eschatology. And they think this, this passage that we're looking at tonight is eschatological. So, you know, if you run into one of those seminary types, just say, what's your eschatology? And you don't have to say anything after that. But chances are, if they're a good seminary student, they'll just start blabbing. <laughs> they'll, they'll keep talking. You said the word eschatology, so they think you're smart. You just let him go. You're like, yeah, right on. I'm down. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. That one's for free. Now, yeah, people oftentimes are talking about prophetic stuff, but at the like, at its most basic, eschatology does mean just stuff that hasn't happened yet. And I think this is safe to say. This is stuff that hasn't happened yet. What Jesus is going to do in your life, in the future, are you ready for it? Are you ready for what Jesus might put in front of you? So, kind of the start of the story, um, the guy who's in charge of all the other servants... Let's call him Jerkface. The pivot point happens to Jerkface. Something happens that he wasn't ready for. He, like he, eventually, he gets to the point of like, I, I don't think the master's coming back. What are my options now? It's like, well, I guess I could keep going, keep everybody fed and doing what they're supposed to do, keep everything dusted, clean, do the laundry. Or I guess my other option is fat payday. <laughs> he thinks he thinks the master's not coming back. It's, you know, it's been, it's, you know, the master said he'd be back in a week. It's been 10 days. Robert's got him. He's gone. It's time for that fat payday. And so he goes nuts. He goes nuts. I mean, <laughs> he goes to the fridge, man. He starts eating. And he doesn't go to the, like, the servant's fridge in the break room with like the five-day-old Chinese food. No, he goes to the master's mini-fridge in the master bedroom, the ones with little cans of caviar and the $10 bottles of beer. He gets the good stuff, and he starts drinking. And, he's, and that's not the servant's moonshine stash. I mean, it's not even, he doesn't even like get the crystal decanter and pour himself a glass of the good stuff. He just skips the glass. He just walks around with the crystal decanter around the neck. That's what he does. He drinks it all. He swigs it. And he gets smashed. And that's steps two, three, and four. Step one was to beat everybody else up. (laughs) This guy went nuts. (laughs) Jerk face is a jerk. But it happens to the good servant, too. Let's call him Nice Face, (laughs) for lack of a better name. The same thing happens to Nice Face. He's like, "Ah, I don't know if he's coming back. What do I do now? And he keeps going. He stays faithful. Nice Face stays faithful. And what happens to him? Jesus The master, sorry, let's stay in character. The master gets back, and what happens to nice face? The master sits him down, and the master gets ready to wait on him. Not just give him the pay due to him. It's sweet. Not just some predetermined favor. He waits on nice face. And you, hey, you'd have to guess that Jesus is pretty good at this breaking character now Jesus. we're calling Jesus the master. You gotta you gotta guess that he's good at being a waiter. You know it's gonna be a, there's gonna be like times at this wonderful restaurant <laughs> that you order what you want. And God says, yeah, okay man, you've been faithful to me. Thank you. Here you go. But there's also it's one of those restaurants where you say waiter. You know me. Bring me something I'll like. <laughs> and he brings you something you like that you didn't even know existed. It's one of those restaurants. Guys, this is what's being illustrated here is faithfulness. Faithfulness. We're not good at faithfulness, my generation. Your gener- the generations represented here, generally, we haven't been very good at faithfulness. Faithfulness means sticking with something, believing in something, even though you can't see it. We don't do the best with that. The culture we live in, North America of the 21st century, we got stuff available. We, if we need something, we get it. And if we don't like something, we drop it. We hear terms like, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And desperate times call for desperate measures. But I hear of those things in movies. And I read those quotes in books. And generally, those are reserved for fiction that we idolize and say, man, those are cool. I love it when people do stuff like that. But what I see in people's lives is when the tough get or when the going gets tough, bail. I see unfaithfulness. Yeah, I see it with like <laughs> you see it with stuff, you know, like you know, cars and phones. Ah, battery doesn't last on my phone, so I'm gonna get a new one. It's like it's like the YouTube things or the the photo strings of there I fixed it. Have you googled that? There I fixed it. Oh, so awesome. There, I fixed it. Just look for images on Google or Yahoo or whatever. And you get stuff like this. That's a motorcycle. And that's a motorcycle gas tank. (laughs) People that fix stuff, because they gotta. That's only gonna last like two days. The gasoline's totally gonna eat through that bottle. I know, right? But that guy's awesome, right? And you're like, holy crap, dude, I can't believe you did it. And there's all sorts of stuff, you know, people, like, welding cars together because they only had a good front half and a good back half of two cars, and they, ta-da! And we think it's funny, you know? was like, oh, my gosh, those people are idiots. <laughs> oh, my gosh, just get a new one. Ugh. Because we can and this is, this is conjecture. I don't know the, the statistics of these, but the, these there-I-fixed-it photos, i almost positive that 90% of them come from not United States. Because people got to do stuff. Gotta, people got to make stuff happen. I'm very proud of my family. Um, my mother and father. Are, are here. And um, my mother grew up on a ranch uh, east of the Springs. My family homesteaded here 105 years ago, 1910. And it was not a fun time. Eastern Colorado was the capital of suck in the 20s and 30s. It was the Dust Bowl, stuff just got buried in dirt. It was rough. I go to the, you know, I can go to my, my brother and I loved going to the ranch, and I think my kids were interrupting my sermon. That's funny. Uh, we loved going to the ranch, and behind the machine shed, about sixty yards, was the junkyard, and you know, so there's grain threshers and like old model T's and hay hay trailers and stuff like that, and we loved it. There was plenty of stuff we didn't even recognize or know what it was but there's like machines on top of other machines wired together you're like that's funny i wonder what kind of experiment that was it wasn't an experiment back then you just had to make stuff happen your family has to get fed you had to make things work and stuff that i didn't think should work worked mom said it worked and it wasn't nails, it wasn't screws, because nails and screws cost money, it was bailing wire. If you had to get hay somehow, you know, the wire came free. And you, <laughs> you wired things to other things to make things happen. You had to be ready for anything. You had to be faithful to what you were to do to get your family fed. And people bailed. There was lots of people that said, "Never mind, screw this." The uh, the house, the house. I loved going to to the house. It burned down. It really sucks. But I I just thought it was Papa's house. This is cool. I like Papa's house. But like now, that Mom, my mom explained it to me that all the the roofs were at different levels. You're like, that's weird. What happened? People would leave, just abandon their their plots, and go. And my great-grandfather's like, dude, free house. (laughs) And so he'd go over with a sled and two donkeys, put the house on the sled, drag the house back to his house, and wire them together. (laughs) Is that badass or what? That's so cool. And he did it three times. <laughs> he didn't do his, do it once. He's like, there's just free houses everywhere. Once. There was baked potatoes still in the oven. If that doesn't illustrate unreadiness, I don't know what does. These people are like, never mind. Bye. And my great grandfather was ready. He was like, another house got a man cave (laughs) you just had to make stuff work you were forced into faithfulness now guys we've got all these options and we suck at faithfulness we'll say it about cars and we'll say it about phones but guys i see it about friends i see it about spouses i see it about churches see it about jobs. This one's hard. I'll get another one. This friend is difficult. I'll get another one. Tonight was really difficult with my spouse. I'll get another one. (sighs) Guys, we have to be more committed than our culture is allowing us to be. Our culture makes it so easy to just bail. We'll reserve faithfulness for the fiction. So what does readiness look like? We're like, okay, Jesse, be less of a jerk. How do I be less of a jerk? Well, it says. Very first verse, 35, be dressed, ready for service. So, I mean, if you needed sometimes people are like, well, show me the verse that says blank. Well, show me the verse that tells me I have to wear clothes. Well, here it is, okay? I know some of you, Eric. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> you nudist. I know you're a nudist. Just kidding. You're not a nudist. Yes, you have to wear clothes, but that's not the point. You have to, the, the cultural connotation of this is like, you wore something different when you were serving, when you were working. You had to be ready and able to do stuff. For us, not everybody is ready to do stuff. We fill our schedules or, you know, we don't set aside some of our money and or whatever, so we can't help people out. So we can't say yes to Jesus in some moment where he's like, this is something cool I'm doing. You want to join in? You're like, I can't. I scheduled this thing. You guys got to be ready for this stuff by being available. Jess and I do premarital counseling, and this is just a new thing that we've added, this new assignment. And it's not easy. Basically, you have to serve. You have to do something while you're getting ready to get married. And you think, "Well, oh, yeah, that's no big deal. For, a married, for an engaged couple in the two months before they're getting married, it totally is. It's a big pain in the butt. They, like, all they're thinking about is wedding plans and honeymoon and new apartment and all this stuff. And so we're making it. It's not an easy assignment for them. you got to say, no, we have to carve out time to serve and still participate and contribute to our community. Because so often what happens is people get in that mode of like us, 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 married, that they got a pretty good habit of us, 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 us. I mean, for so many people, like, what it looks like is the only reason they were being social was to get a spouse. It's like, oh, I got one. Bye world. You never see him again. You've got to be available. You've got to be dressed and ready to serve and participate in your community. Next one, keep your lamps burning. What is the lamps? Gosh, Psalm 119 spells it out pretty obviously. Your word, God, is a lamp to my feet. It's a light unto my path. The word gets us ready to deal. Guys, I, I really believe that all of us as brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of Jesus Christ, theologically speaking, brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ and sons and daughters of the Father. But anyways, I think we feel this need for truth in our life. Capital T, truth. What is going on in this world? We have that itch that's got to be scratched We need truth. We need to get that box checked. And I know this for a fact, and I'm sure it's happening more than just the people I'm asking. People are getting their boxes checked with just this sermon this week. It's not enough. Guys, that's a pretty watery check for your box. Read your Bibles, brothers and sisters. Not a firework. It's a lamp. It's not going to explode on your life every day, but do it. Some days it will be a firework. You're like, holy crap, what is this? I've read this before, but I swear I I haven't read this before. When did Jesus bring this up? Some days it's like that, but more often than not, it's going to be, all right, I did it. God, I don't know what you're doing with that, but I guess show me. It's not always sexy. It's not always a firework. Guys, this keeps us ready. So often, I mean, if, if you don't have the word in your life, it's you, you're just in the dark. You're in the dark. You can't be ready if you're in the dark. I mean, like, if Jesus does something... It's going to scare the crap out of you. You're not going to be ready for it. Jesus Christ, what the crap is that? And then Jesus Christ (laughs) says, well, there's this thing I thought you would be interested. It's like, well, dude, don't scare me like that. Well, then read your Bible. (laughs) Get ready, man. And, And even if it's not even a flashlight, it's not just shining a light on the stuff you're doing. A lamp. It illuminates what's going on around you. So often we just put our heads down and trudge through all the stuff we gotta do. And you don't look left, you don't look right, you don't smell the roses, so to speak. Look what Jesus is doing around you. Be ready for it. Alright. Ready to open when Jesus knocks. So Yeah, Jesus is going to have things that you can participate in. Because when Jesus is with you, with you, it's so sweet, right? Kathy's sermon, what, a month, five weeks ago? She mentioned that, that, sorry, uh, that Jesus is always with us, and it's so true. But he reveals himself in different ways. That we're always not necessarily ready for, maybe ready for, like, whoa, that was really weird, and I totally wasn't ready for that. He reveals himself in different ways. Be ready for him to interrupt your life. Do you guys remember the kingdom of God? Good. You guys have to remember the kingdom of God. Because this, I explained it a few weeks ago, right? Do you guys remember what it is? I'm going to to keep harping on this. We didn't see it in this chapter. He hasn't said it for a whole chapter. The kingdom of God is a coexisting but alternate existence where God and his righteousness are king. The kingdom of God is now. That is happening. The coexistent reality where God is king. It's happening right now. It's right here. And it's weird, right? Trying to live in this crappy world and yet try and leaning, try, we try leaning into the kingdom of God. God knocks on the door in between those sometimes, and we got to be ready to open the door and like take a big leap over there and like, oh yeah, that's why I'm doing this. This is sweet. This is what I'm living for. Gotta be ready for those thin places, and when Jesus opens the door between the worlds, all matrix-like. Okay, the last one. How to ready? How? CTFD. You all know what CTFD is, right? Um, Ephesians six fifteen. Uh, this is cross reference here. It's the end of Ephesians where he's talking about the armor of God. You know, uh, you know, there's breastplate of righteousness, uh, helmet of salvation, and on your feet. You equip yourself with the readiness of the gospel of peace. The readiness of the gospel of peace. This one was good. I like looking at this one. The gospel. Remember, the gospel needs to remind you guys whose side you're on. The winning one. You guys win. It works out for you. The good guys win in this one and you're on that side. That brings peace. God has got you in mind. And that makes you prepared and willing to take those lefts and rights and lefts and rights and keep going. Keep trying to follow him. So CTFD is calm the fudge down. (laughs) That's how you're ready. Stop fretting. Calm down you're on the winning team don't get lost don't forget who's gonna win your father in heaven is gonna win so yeah this is all illustrating faithfulness right um now it doesn't happen instantaneously there's so many people that i talk to that are like oh you know I need to get my crazies out, you know. I'm just going to live the way I want to live. And, you know, when I have kids, I'll calm down. When I've got a family, when I meet that special guy, then I'll, you know, then I'll do the spiritual thing. I mean, guys, that's that's dumb. That's stupid. <laughs> Sorry. That's not very smart. It's not. It's like saying, when I'm done being immature, I'll be mature. It's like, <laughs> yeah decide and you have to go that way it's like tomorrow i'm gonna run a marathon (laughs) no you're not (laughs) no you're not you gotta get ready it's faithfulness faithfulness is doing stuff every day even when you don't feel like it reading your bibles making room to participate in your community Because what's gonna happen? That pivot point. I think you should bank on God surprising you. As much as he tells us to be ready, he says we're not gonna be ready at some point. I got an extreme uh, illustration for this. Bombing abortion clinics, uh, bombing abortion clinics, right? I mean, I think we can get all I'll get on the same page. That's dumb, right? <laughs> Don't bomb abortion clinics, clinic, but look at it from their perspective. There's people that have been outside of abortion clinics every day for a while. And bad things are happening in there, right? Things with eternal consequences, right? Ow. And so they see it every day some people coming out of that abortion clinic, and they see people coming out of that abortion clinic every day for months, for years, and they start, that, that pivot point comes to them, and they're like, I guess God doesn't care about justice here. I guess I have to take justice into my own hands. So that's kind of their perspective. But then, you know, we think, you know, but that's still awful. And we know how to counsel them, right? It's like, oh, man, justice isn't yours to dole out, man. Whoa. God's in control. Not you. Hold on, man. Just keep going. Keep doing the good that you're trying to do. Love people. That counsel, guys, is what you've got to remember when it happens to you. Remember that counsel when it gets a little closer to home. God must care about justice in every place but my job. (laughs) So I guess I'm going to worry about justice in my job. I'm going to make some stuff happen, man. Screw that place. (laughs) I guess... Forgot, I guess God forgot that I was saving my chastity for my spouse, my, my future spouse. So I guess I'm going to work on it. I'm going to get my needs met. I, I've i been putting up with scum and their lazy, inactive leadership. And I guess God just thinks that's okay. So forget that place that one sounds a little uh passive aggressive doesn't it (laughs) like i'm like i'm sick of people complaining to me and so like well i'm going to throw some scripture at that and yeah now stop complaining (laughs) that would would suck right that's it that one's actually the most autobiographical for me i get really over this place (laughs) i love scum and scum drives me nuts I told Adam, and I, I try to tell everybody that comes on staff, you're gonna love scum so much more than you do now, and you're gonna hate it so much more than you do now. <laughs> I mean, you're like, oh man, why did we do that? We can do it better. Why aren't we doing this? This can be done. And we complain and we like, oh, grit our teeth. Man, guys, there are two very significant times. I almost quit. I'm like, oh man. Forget it, God. Those guys. Peace. Those were pivot points for me. I thought God didn't see what was going on here. This place was flaming into the ground. This ship was sinking, man. But by the grace of God, I got a couple minutes to shine some light to read some scripture to get my readiness a little bit more up than it was and when I stopped complaining I realized there were the chances to make the boat better I just had to stop bitching about the holes in the boat and notice the pail right there let's start bailing water I can make this place better it's the Gandhi thing you know be the change that you want to see be it, guys. Are you ready? Are you ready? Some of you might say yes. Some of you might say no. If if no, get ready, okay. And yes, if you're ready, what are you ready for? Jerkface was ready. Jerkface was ready for payday, man. Are you ready for handouts and favors and, and good things on behalf of the government, on, beh- on behalf of your housemates, on behalf of your job? Looking to take advantage, basically. Are you looking for provision from your church community, from your community that, that you live, work, play in? Or are you ready to give your advantage away to participate in your community? What are you ready for? This sermon is is kicked my butt, guys, and I I hope it, I hope it kicks yours in a nice way, but. Uh, Think about it. What are you ready for? I love you guys. Thanks for listening.